the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. There's no better place to get information across the entire sports world. Download the app, personalize your favorite teams and leagues, and you'll be checking it every morning to see what's new in your neck of the woods. Add free content. It is a one-time subscription, of course, an annual subscription, and you can get 40% off that subscription by using SpotTrack. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Get that discount right now. Get yourself into some great, great storytelling, including a piece from Kenny Rosenthal, which we're going to break down in just a few minutes with Scott Allen. Here's the deal today. It's kind of an emergency podcast, of course, with two major storylines hitting. Carson Wentz moves to Indy. Our thoughts, the numbers, where we think that might make the rest of the quarterback carousel move or not move. Uh, first with that, then we switch to this Fernando Tatis Jr. contract, $340 million over the f- next 14 seasons in San Diego, who have not been shy this offseason. Let's put it that way. So that's the game plan. Let's talk to Scott Allen and break it all down. But first, today's episode is brought to you by the Online Betting Guide. If you're an NBA expert knowledgeable in all the numbers, the trends, the plays, the injuries, check out their free NBA Pick'em Contest at olbg.com. Pick the games, learn a little bit about the gambling process, and win cash prizes every single month. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to help you compete for top place in the leaderboard. They're helping you make informed betting decisions every single day, and it costs you nothing. Show them what you got today at OLBG.com. Joined on the OLBG hotline by Scott Allen. Scott an emergency podcast. That means something big has happened. How about two things? How about a gigantic 22-year-old MLB contract in Fernando Tatis Jr. And the impossible happened. Carson Wentz's and that ridiculous contract has been moved. And it is the team we all assumed it was going to be the Colts. There's your top two stories of the week. You pick, sir. Where are we heading first? Let's go, Wentz. Let's start with there. Okay. Give me your thoughts. And then I'll break down some of these numbers. Um, I, I think that the Colts right now got a steal for a third and a conditional second that, you know, if, if it ends up Wentz is able to play lights out and they get deeper into the playoffs, maybe Super Bowl, you know, if it turns into that first, then I think they think that's a win-win for them. So I, I think actually hold on there because that that can from what i'm reading scott that condition only has to do with snap count 75 percent of the snap count there's two parts of it there's either it's either he plays 75 percent of the snaps or 70 percent and they make the playoffs so it's really not conditional on winning which i thought was pretty interesting in other words it's being reported as a second round pick but there's a pretty clear path to this becoming a first round pick i mean if he's not playing 13 games this year, you know, essentially was what it's going to take for 75%. Who else is playing? <laughs> you know, they, don't, they don't even and have if, another quarterback. If, and if they're, if they're, they see that he is that bad or they feel that they are not going to uh, succeed with him, then by week 12, 13, whatever it may be, you He's start out. benching him. So you don't meet that threshold. Yeah. Josh McCown is the starting quarterback for the Colts of week 13. That's what's going to happen there. Yes. Um, you're right. That is what's, what it's safeguarding from the Colts standpoint is if he's really as bad as some people out there think he is now, then he's just going to sit the bench for us. And we're going to take a bath on this, which is going to be, by the way, 
41, basically $41 million, 24 and a half this year. And then 15 million of next year will lock in, I believe it's March 19th, whatever, in about a month, actually exactly a month, 15 million from next year will lock in completely. So, you know, it's $41 million. That's the risk. Again, I think that's low for the third and the the probable first, but you're right, second on paper right now. So you're okay with it. I mean, the Colts needed a quarterback. Where they're drafting and the options that were out there, that's where I am too. This was the best option for them. If they, if they, look, this guy's taking a team, taking a roster into the playoffs. You know, Nick Foles got it done. We all know that story, but this guy has, has the, the pedigree in him to take a, a well-built roster into the postseason. That's what the Colts are right now. And they're going to get better because they have cap space. They're going to add a wide receiver. They're probably going to end at tight end. They're going to lock down some defensive options. They're in the JJ Watt conversation. So, They've got it's a it's a great scenario for Carson Wentz. I think so. I don't know. I tweeted this out yesterday, Scott, and maybe you have an answer for me. Who loses here? Is it the Eagles front office for having to admit this? <laughs> I guess, but the fact that they're admitting defeat on this, and I guess at least you have to give them kudos to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that. Th- they have to take the L on that. And, you know, it, I think what's going to happen is, and I could be completely off base on this, but, you know, structuring these quarterback deals is imperative yeah. to not constrict yourself so much that you have to take on 34 million in dead cap or, you know, Whatever else was going on, you know, whether it's mentally or coaching wise, something happened. And obviously the Colts think that they can turn it around. Um, so I, I guess you know what? The, the, the falling on the sword has to go with the, the yeah. front office. Yeah, the Eagles are. I mean, after the the move up to get the number one pick to, to draft Carson Wentz and then signing him early to the structure you're talking about and then, you know, having to give up on it two years into it. It's a bad look for the Eagles, but at the same in the same breath, they're ripping the Band-Aid off. They're not taking this thing long. I mean, can you imagine the disaster that would have been 2021 if it's Jalen versus Carson every sinking breath of that offseason and then in season? It's not tenable. You can't do that. No. I mean, that's not at all. there was Favre Rogers, and that was one version of this this would be a whole new level because of the angst, because of the Carson Wentz, because of the firing of the coach, because of the situation where Jalen Hurts gets pulled in that game week 17 last year. There's just so much negativity. And what's funny is when Doug Peterson got fired, a lot of really smart people said, oh, that, that's, the, that's the easy move here. That's the right move because you really can't, you can't trade Carson Wentz. So you fire the coach. That's the move the Eagles make to kind of get through this whole mess that they've built up for themselves. Now they can go forward. But no, there's, it's very clear that Carson versus Jalen was also a huge problem. It wasn't just Carson versus Doug or Carson versus the front office, whatever the heck it was. It's all of it. And, and now there's two gigantic moves to clean that mess up. And what's left is $34 million of dead cap, the biggest single dead cap hit in the history of the, of the NFL. And it's not even close. And oh, by the way, number not even. Oh, by the way, who's number two? Golf. Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah. So got, it's actually, been a fun I've, off I've got, season. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I got the list pulled up here. And, yeah, go ahead. You know, what, one of the things that was striking to me was it, the amount of dead cap that in the past three seasons. It's a great point, Scott. Are, they are not scared. It's a great point. Go ahead and give the numbers, man. Yeah, so we got Wentz at 30, 33-8. Then you got Goff at 22-2. Brandon Cooks from 2020, which is 21-8. Then you got Antonio Brown with Pittsburgh, 21 you got Matt Stafford this year at 19. Um, then you got Jamarcus Russell from way back in 2010 at 18.9. And then you got Nick Foles in 2020, 18.75. Tannehill in 2019, 18. And then it just keeps going down for the 19s. But th- these last three years, teams are – I don't know if it's a, a – they're realizing bad contracts that they – need to get off their books and they're not afraid because they have the cap space from rollover or it's new regimes coming in and realizing this was a bad contract and we need to move on from it. It's probably a mix in between both, but I just think it's, it's super interesting to see these last three years of teams that they don't care. There is no, amount of dead cap that is going to scare a team away at this point, it seems. Let me add two more points to it because you're dead on here. Capologists have gotten better. So front offices feel a lot more comfortable saying, hey, we're going to sock, sock you with this dead cap. Bit. Make it work. Make it work. Find four other guys to, to maneuver, manipulate a little bit to, to make sure you can clean our, clean our mess up here. But we're going to do this. And two, we talk about it all the time, and this is it. The, the windows are three years now. They're not eight. Carson Wentz's franchise quarterback window was three years, not eight. Okay. And when that's the case, you can't waste a year. You know, the the teams no longer want to go down and be Miami or be Jacksonville and go all the way down to the bottom. Now, now it's not unintelligent to do that. You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to show us that in a couple of seasons, but for the Rams, for the Eagles, for the saints, for the teams that are consistently in the conversation, that this dead cap hit means nothing to them. It hurts, but they are. But it only ha- hurts this season. It only one and done, season. baby. One and yep. done. And we're again, done. it's we're doing this. Capologists make it happen. Make it work. Find find money in the banana stand. Let's get this thing done. It is it is not scaring people off. And and you know how I know it's different because very very smart people who used to be in the NFL front offices, GMs, presidents, cap guys. They're screaming at this dead cap pit. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe it's here. And it's terrible, by the way. This is terrible business from the Eagles. There's no question about it. We're, I'm not even sure he should ever have gotten that contract when he did. But the fact that they did this, that they traded him for not a first-round pick, by the way, yet, and took this dead cap pit means it's just a different world. And oh, by the way, the cap, the, the league cap is about to dump $15 million. Okay? It's about to drop 15 so they're taking the biggest dead cap hit in a year where the cap is dropping more than it's ever dropped in league history. Well, that's all you need to hear. Dead cap isn't scaring anybody if that's the case. If 33.8 million of 183, whatever it's going to be at the end of the day, can be a dead cap hit and the Eagles aren't even blinking. They didn't even blink. They took, a, they took a, an offer they probably didn't love just to do it, just to make it happen. So... There's, there's really no more legs under, well, this guy costs too much to get rid of in terms of dead cap. I'm not sure that exists anymore. You know, what's the number? 50? 
Is that the new dead cap threshold? It'd be interesting to do some research on it, but this is now the new bar. There's no question about that. It was, it's, it's the new bar by 11 million. So in the worst cap year we've ever had. So I don't know how, how else to spell it out there for you, but nothing should surprise you anymore. If there's, especially at this position, and maybe that's the point I'm failing to make here. This position specifically, if this guy can still play quarterback, any guy, then the contract just, there's no contract that scares teams off, right? Yeah, you're right. And I just ran a query here to find out which teams have had the most dead cap in the last 10 years here since 2011. Any contenders? Miami is at $246 million of cap in dead cap for the last 10 years, followed by Buffalo at $242 million, New New York Jets at two hundred twenty-five. Million and then round off Cleveland sounds like Dallas, a lot of Tom Brady chasers. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, the Buffalo Bills, they spent that year or two with Brandon Bean coming in and saying, we're, we're getting rid of all these bad contracts. We'll take on the dead cap now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's paying off with what we saw this past uh, past year and year before that with the growth that they've had. So, you know, sometimes you just got to deal with it and move on. And hopefully the, the Eagles front office can figure out where they want to go from here. And, you know, they, they've got to figure out who's, who's going to be their quarterback. Are they going to draft one? Are they going hurts? Are they going to bring in somebody else and just trade? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I give I give the Colts credit, you know, making the move for what they did as well because, you know, I don't think any other team w- was knocking on Philadelphia's door, and so they probably were able to come in with a slightly less offer than they needed to. And you know, if, if Wentz works out, then it's going to look like a genius move in a year or two. Look, dead cap, you know, and if you don't really understand what we're talking about, I did a, a quick little piece on spytrack.com that kind of breaks down the various scenarios of how it's accumulated, how it's, how it's moved, you know, trades versus release versus retirements. All that stuff's going to come into play really in the next couple of days here. I mean, we, we're seeing these quarterback trades. We're seeing some blockbuster releases. Drew Brees' retirement is going to have some significant dead cap ramifications for the Saints. The same would qualify with Ben Roethlisberger, depending on what happens there. But uh, if you don't get it, there's a piece on, on the dot com or I'm at Spotrek on Twitter. Happy to answer questions. It's one of those. It's just a weird. It, it's unique to the NFL. It's difficult. It's fluid. And, uh, you know, don't feel crazy if you don't get it just yet. It's it's one of those things that really takes some understanding on a scenario by scenario basis. So the, what we know is this, because the Rams have now done this for about five years, Scott, bulked up their dead cap moved on from pieces that just didn't fit or or there were better options or they needed some draft capital, whatever it's going to be. The Rams have been the outliers of we're going to be top 10 in dead cap and we're still going to make the postseason and we don't give a, we don't give a damn, right? That's the only team that, that consistently lives up there. Now, if I'm looking at last year specifically, you know, the Rams were up there top 10. Tennessee was up there top 10. Everybody else, you know, Washington had a cup of coffee in the playoffs, but everybody else at, up at the top of the dead cap list had no chance last season. They weren't even yeah. close to contenders versus, you know, Tampa Bay's dead last, Green Bay's second last, the Bills were fourth last, you know, Pittsburgh's sixth last. It's not rocket science to understand what that means. But but let's put a let's put a bow on on what it means from from on a one year basis. So 
you know, the Eagles are coming in to 2021 with the most dead cap right now. It's early, but you can imagine that they're the leaders in the clubhouse. What does it mean for them heading towards March 17th? It doesn't mean they can't sign anybody. You know, like I said, they go to the capologists and say, make it work, make it work. Find us 34 million so that we can maneuver a little bit. They're going to cut Malik Jackson. They're going to cut Elshon Jeffrey. They're going to trade Zach Ertz. They're going to do more things. There's a lot of movement here. They're going to replace those pieces through the draft, through free agency with smaller deals and veterans. Where it hurts you and why these teams almost never get to the finish line is it, it stops you from being able to sign depth. It stops you from having that great fifth wide receiver, that third running back, that eighth offensive lineman, that fourth pass rusher, that fourth cornerback, which matters so much in this marathon of, of a violent NFL season, especially as we get into the colder weather. It matters. That's where it hurts. That's why the Rams haven't been able to recreate what they have did in Jared Goff's best year as a Ram in that Super Bowl run because they have been patchworking a roster with high dead cap, superstar contracts, and then fill in the blanks underneath. And they yep. haven't had those two or three players where they've been able to say, hey, we got to pay these guys a little bit above average money because we're, we're going to need them January 15th. We're going to need that cornerback if Jalen Ramsey gets hurt week 14. That's where, they, that's where they've missed. That's where the good teams can't be great because, because of dead cap. And it's that simple. And while you can tolerate 33.8 for Carson Wentz for a lot of the, a lot of the season, especially on the one-year hit, it's going to stop the Eagles from being a complete football team. And teams yeah. like the Giants and teams like Dallas should rec- and Washington, all three, to be honest, should recognize this, even if the salary cap is down, and even if there's quarterback questions on a lot of, these, a lot of those teams right now, they should be putting the, putting the foot pedal down, the gas pedal down right now, knowing that the Eagles are a weak, a weak bird, a weak animal, and if they if they pounce and hit the right notes in free agency in this draft, they should be able to destroy them this year. Truly, truly, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and I looked j- just in the three years, last three years, and you're you're dead on with the the playoff conversation. The last three years of dead cap cumulative has been Miami, the Jets, Carolina Panthers, Jacksonville, the Rams are fifth, and then you've got the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, one of these things is not like the there. other, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, the fact that they're they're taking on that dead cap, you're right. It, it hurts the depth of the team. They can't fill in where they're going to need to because that is thirty eight million dollars of money that could be spent on you know ten other players. I missed the most obvious obvious example, by the way. The Chiefs signed everybody last year. Everybody. And that's the, I went on radio show after radio show have, trying to answer the question, how did they do this? How did they sign Hill and Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and blah, 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 right? The, the answer is this. Well, that's all they could sign. And when it came down to Super Bowl week and they didn't, have, they didn't have a, a fourth tackle or a third guard or, or yep. anybody to fill in the blanks, they were pulling people off the streets in October and November to fill in the blanks with the, that offensive line. Look what happened. Mahomes got bum-rushed the entire Super Bowl by a great defensive scheme. That right there is the example of, of why anything can work. You, you can sign anybody. and You can make the cap work you know, however you need to, but there's going to be a casualty to it. There's going to be a yin and a yang. And you know, the Chiefs bet went all in on 
we're gonna we're gonna put all of our eggs into the offensive weapons and the defensive line, rightfully so. That's pretty good philosophy with those the players they have there. But there's gonna be there's gonna be a casualty, and we saw exactly how important it was. So that that's the best example we have. It's recency bias versus blatant. It was blatant that they didn't have enough offensive line depth right there. So if your team is that team right now, you know, and you're considering cutting six notable players off your roster using our GM tool and you're, and you're accumulating 30 million plus of dead cap by doing so. Just remember that in a down cap year, that's going to stop you from signing the swing tackle or the backup center or the third or the slot cornerback that your team desperately needs to win their division, to get into the postseason, that kind of thing. It, it matters. It's a, it's a big gigantic roster. It's not just 53 players. It's 70 when you talk about injured reserve and, and things like that. It's it's a lot of players. It's a lot of miles to feed. And it's why you and I every year have to look at the top paid players or the cap percentage of the quarterback and try to dictate and try to make a, a formulaic guess, Scott, of who's going to get this thing to the finish line. Because you know, mm-hmm. if the quarterback is sitting at 22% of the league cap, that's that's a bad start. <laughs> that's a very bad start, as you know. Yes, very bad. All right, anything else? I mean, who's next? I guess is the best question. Before uh, we move to baseball, <laughs> yeah, Mar- Mariota's out question. there. I know in your neck of the woods, the, the Marcus Mariota conversations have really sort of, uh, not, I mean, not just really heated up, but it, it sounds like it's a real thing. It sounds like they tried for Derek Carr, as did a couple teams, Indy, Chicago, and, and Las Vegas has given a hard no, which I fully agree with. Derek Carr's contract versus his production are in their favor for one more season at least. So I think keeping him is the right move, but you know, keeping Mariota on an overpriced backup contract is the wrong move. So I do think a trade's going to happen. Do you think it's Washington or does Chicago sneak in here? Mm. To me, it's those two. Yeah. Who probably whoever gives the better offer. Yeah. Well, and you know, thanks captain obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking which team does give the better. Uh, offer. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Okay. What – I guess it, it all depends on what Washington is going to decide to do with Alex Smith. Do you yep. think that they – can they release him? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what, yeah. Are the, what are the implications of that? And, you know, because I don't think you could keep Alex Smith and bring on a Mariota. Um, I, if I had to pick one of the two teams, I'm going to say um, – I'm going to say he's probably going to go to Chicago. You do. I do. I, I know he had eyed he, Chicago when he was a free agent. I know that was one of the options. And they decided to stick with Trubisky and acquire Nick Foles, which they immediately regretted. I mean, that was clearly the wrong move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I, I don't think Chicago gives the better offer of the two. But there's a chance. I don't, how do I say this the right way? I don't think anything happens until the franchise tag window because the bears need to franchise tag Allen Robinson to show that they are in this year. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't have a number two option and a number three option that would draw enough interest to me. Not that Mariota has an, has an option of where to go, but they're not going to offer a gigantic contract, you know, trade offer for Marcus Mariota if they just don't have the weapons around him. And I don't, there's question marks on Jimmy Graham, 
The running game is there finally, I think, for them, for both teams. Antonio Gibson's a stud as well. It's a ver- They're very similar team situations, but if one team has Terry McLaurin and one team doesn't have Allen Robinson, to me, that's a clear move of, of power. And Washington then ups their offer to make sure they get the right quarterback. Neither of these teams are in draft position for a quarterback, I don't believe. I think no, Chicago's Washington's in a better like one. 19. Yeah, Washington's at 19th because they made the playoffs, so yeah. their their draft was a little higher than I, Vegas. I, I think they're pretty close, Scott. They're, they're actually back-to-back. Chicago got in, too, oh, okay. remember. So it's 19-20. For the, so, so these are literally two the identical teams. Identical teams. And the Raiders are 17th right now. By the way, do we think they're giving up a first-round pick? We don't. No. There's not a chance in hell. Um, no. Not after seeing what we just saw for Carson Wentz. You're getting about $11 million on Mariota. One year, $11 million. That's getting restructured if he's going to be a starting quarterback. You're going to convert that to a bonus and do a, a Nick Foles-type restructure. I, I got to tell you, the more I say this out loud, knowing that they have Foles there already, I, I think this is going to be Washington's move. Yeah, and you know, the more I really I've do. thought of it now, as you've been speaking, Washington has the weapons around the quarterback. They really do just need a quarterback that can move the ball well. Yeah. I know from listening down here, you know, as small of a sample size as it is, the media really likes Heineke. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I get, small, it. I get like, it. It's a small, it's a small sample size. If, if it works out, then gangbusters because you get a massive deal, you know, it, what's it's only like $2 million against the cap right now. Yeah. But if, if they feel that they need the upgrade, then yeah, you're right. They, they have a lot of young pieces on the offensive side of the ball that if, they can get a quarterback and if they can if they can get a quarterback that is is viable in a year where like you said earlier Philadelphia is at the bottom who knows where the Giants are going to be uh how Saquon is going to come back from that injury is Daniel Jones going to take a step forward or not and then same thing with Dallas. W- what are they going to do with Dak? Are they even going to have Dak? Are they going to have somebody else to helm? You know, Washington really is at a point in in the division itself that they could really level up. Boy, I, I haven't thought about this enough, this question enough. But the more I think about it, the more closely aligned these two teams are, Chicago and Washington. It's um, I mean, both have great defenses. I mean, Washington really took a step forward in that regard. Similar weapon sets, you know, maybe leaning more towards the run than not. To me, this is the difference. And Washington's going to have to pay to keep it this way. But PFF offensive line rankings, Chicago 20th, Washington 6th, Washington 6th. But they're going to have to fix, fix the left tackle situation or repay the left tackle situation and repay Brandon Sheriff to a massive contract or a second franchise tag to keep that about where it is. My point is this, uh, nod Washington for that alone right there. Yes, yes. Uh, Everything we said about the NFC East, plus the fact that they do have the offensive line intact right now, at least, uh, you know, hold hold the rights to the offensive line. The defense is ready to push, and they've got the most cap space of any any of these teams we're talking about, and it's not even close. I mean, they are up in the top five of cap space right now, which will dwindle with some of these re-signings, but... They've got the most assets across the board, in my opinion, and more reasoning to do it. So you save, I'll give it to you right now, Scott, up front. They're going to save almost $14 million of cap to release or trade Alex Smith. 
and they and they can make it even more 21 or 19 million if it's after june 1st which there's no reason it can't be too, quite honestly um so that's a lot of power right there and yeah because that could offset that trade i mean you're just oh, filling in one with the other easily yeah with room yeah. to grow with room to grow if you have to extend mariota and, and up his ante a little bit so it makes sense to me that washington ends up there is that it for the quarterback movement not that I'm sick of talking about I, it, but I don't want to. I don't want to beat it to a dead horse, you know. I, I mean, what are the Jets doing with Darnold? I guess is the other question. Okay, so you let's know, talk about this because you had to bring it up, didn't you? I did. That's I did. the Bears' quarterback. That's what the Bears do. You think so? I do. I, I I've heard I've heard down here them bring up Darnold to to Washington as well a couple times. So you know that's why I brought him up because I've I've heard them more. Uh, in conjunction with Mariota, it's just going to be which one do they think fits into their scheme the most. But yeah. you know, I I think Darnold could go in a in a couple different places. I mean, well, San Francisco in, makes sense. San Francisco. What happens in New Orleans with <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about Drew that. Brees. Um, you know, Carolina sounds like they they're not sold on Teddy Bridgewater. So you know, do they make a move one way or another because? They tried for Deshaun with the package that they tried. They're so still trying. You have, so you have you have teams that are jockeying for a quarterback that they think they can bring in. I, I don't think we're done. Okay. I know I've, I've listened to some people say they think that it, it's going to tell off and, and this is what it's going to be, but I, I'm not sold on that. I also don't think Jim Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. And I feel like he's been dragged through the mud because of, you know, there's been some obvious scaffs for sure. And he had a terrible Super Bowl, but he's not a bad quarterback. So uh, that's why I've taken San Francisco kind of off this radar. Um, I, I just don't think they can do better than what Jimmy can offer them on a week to week basis, unless it's Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's ceiling has not been found yet. Uh, he's been Adam Gaste, which is a real thing now. I mean, and, the Ryan Tannehill numbers are no joke. It's a real thing. Adam Gase is a quarterback killer. Um, that Jets organization is a free agent killer. There's no question about it right now. And hopefully they're on the upswing. But acquiring Sam Darnold right now is good business, in my opinion. It is. And and maybe it, it, it means you have to extend him in 18 months. I've heard a lot of people say that's coming with it. So what? If you're extending him, it's because he's doing better than he's doing in the Jets, which shouldn't be hard. And, you know, the bar in Chicago, for instance, Mitch Trubisky, it's basically the worst ra rating among starting quarterbacks in the league. He had like an 87 rating. Okay. Darnold's going to do better than that with even a little bit more weapons. He's, they've, been, they've given him nothing in New York. Nothing. And he's been gay. Yeah, you, can, you, you, you cannot take Sam Darnold's statistics at face value. You just, you can't. Yeah. You, you have to... Yeah, what is the percentage of Adam Gase? <laughs> right. Yeah. Can we add eighteen percent? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if a team thinks that they can bring him in because their offensive line is ready to go, then then you do so. You take that chance, even if it is for a year, or even if you have to extend them, you know, one or two years, just so that you, you know, for uh, mental purposes of okay, I I have, I don't have just one year here. I have at least two or three to really figure out what's going on and, and grow. Yeah. But if, if a team brings him in with a competent 
offensive line and some weapons to throw to, I think he's he he definitely has a chance. It's just he's got to get out of New York. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that would be a smart move from the Bears. A little bit of an expensive move. But at the same breath, the Jets don't have much leverage. Their draft pick says, we know how you can replace Sam Darnold. <laughs> you know, it's pretty easy. It's sitting right there for you. You can have your pick outside of Trevor Lawrence. So if I'm calling, I'm saying, I, I, I know you probably want out of here. And, you know, Darnold's cheap and he's going to need a lot of money. So we're, we're willing to take that risk on, get, him out, get it off of your plate. Uh, you know, is it a first and a third? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I think the Bears yeah, would do it in a heartbeat. So that's that's where I'm, I'm angling on Darnold. All right, good stuff. Let's switch to some baseball talk real quick here because we don't quite have the full breakdown, but we have enough. I mean, let's tee this up a little bit. If you haven't heard, I don't know where you've been, but a couple nights ago, of course, as I'm about to shut it down for the day, the San Diego Padres decide to extend 22-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. to a $340 million contract over the next 14 seasons. Fully guaranteed, no player opt-outs, no team opt-outs, no deferred money, full no-trade clause for a 22-year-old kid who has about 150 hits in the league. <laughs> so uh, just your thoughts before we dive into the numbers because uh, I kind of buried the lead for you there. <laughs> yeah, really. No, I, I I saw it pop down too. I was uh, reading my son and came down and saw the notifications like, oh my gosh, here we go. And then as the numbers started coming in, the information started coming in, I was like, all right, no trade clause. Sounds like he's going to be there a while. <laughs> um, it 340 million was that third, I think. All time. All time. All time. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, then the next question came was, all right, who's next? Because you got Soto. You all got right. Pete, well, we'll, we'll get Lindor. there. Easy. We'll get I know, there. I know. We'll but, get there. No, I, <laughs> I know. But the, those are the things that were going in my mind were, all right, if Tatis Jr. is getting this, then what are these other guys going to get? Now, with that being said, you know, A, 14 years. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is for 14 years is they're bringing down that luxury tax salary. That's that, the only that's reason one. that they're. There's two. There's two reasons. All right. What's the second? Yeah. Um, I got some flack for this in, in responding to our buddy Paul Hembo on Twitter with it. You know, he had a similar mindset you did. Basically, this is a small, this is like the 27th market in the league in terms of size and versus media versus all that stuff. And, you know, what are they doing here with Machado and now Tatis and a Hosmer contract and all these pitchers? And, you know, how are they how are they operating under this when, you know, Cleveland is basically selling parts? Um, and my initial thought was, yes, it's 14 years, but not for San Diego. It's not, they don't care about the last seven. Let's be honest yeah. here. They, they, they want seven years of Tatis and then they're going to let the Cardinals or the Dodgers or, or, or one of those other teams deal with the last seven and they'll get the best out of him and overpay for it because they can do that. But San Diego won't be able to. And I got killed because it sounds like I'm trying to trade the guy an hour after he signs this contract. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just putting the business hat on and, and, and letting people understand how 14 years works in Major League Baseball. Giancarlo Stanton got traded out of Miami after like a cup of coffee. Okay, after signing his 13-year contract, A-Rod got traded. Everybody gets traded. Mike Trout's going to get traded. Bryce Harper's going to get traded. It's going to happen, even though those are fairly big markets that those two live in. Okay, it's just the way of the world in Major League Baseball, and, and that's subject to change. But 
I don't, I, there's no part of me that thinks 14 years in San Diego is happening. With that said, let me finish on this before we break down some structure. Not only is this kid going to be the face of baseball because of the charisma, the personality, the, 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 the way he plays ball, the way he speaks to the media, the way his approach on social media, um, everything about him is griffy like. I mean that. It, it is it yes. is flashy, yes. it is loud, but it is also cool. It is not it's you not wanna, it's not obtrusive. Yeah, you want to watch him. You want to watch him, you, you want to root tr- for him, and, and yep. he he ups the ante. And that fits San Diego so damn well. So I am not trying to rut him run him out of town. Okay. He is that is a perfect spot, not only for him, but for Major League Baseball. A point that I'm gonna have to bring back up with Hembo next week, Scott. Paul doesn't think this is a good fit for baseball. Paul thinks that Tatis signing this contract in that market is bad for baseball, where if this was the Yankees or if this was the Cubs or something else, you know, you know the, the Giants in San Francisco, everybody could benefit from this. I just think that's an antiquated thought. I think I don't care where you sign. If you are who you are, we're going to find you. <laughs> you know, we had no trouble loving Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. None. And uh, we're, we're not having trouble with Giannis in Milwaukee. So we shouldn't have any trouble falling in love with this kid in San Diego who, when he's going to embody, he's going to be what we were dying for Mike Trout to be this great player. Maybe not. He won't, he won't have the production of Mike Trout. He won't be that darn, you know, that damn good, but he's going to be good enough and loud enough and fun enough and cool enough to kind of carry the day for this league. So San Diego recognizing that and jumping on it right away, he's going to sell millions of jerseys and millions of autographed hats and cards. And the the merchandise alone is worth this deal right now for San Diego. And it's going to, that's going to trickle into the league. The league is going to take, take notice of this kid. Not that they already haven't, but it's really going to start to matriculate now. And that's what we're going to see from this kid. He is now going to be going to have those expectations and he's all in on him. He's the kind of kid that loves it and will run with it. So the numbers are gaudy. They're dumb. By the way, it's like 34 million over the first five years. It's crazy cheap. So all they're doing is saying, we're going to lock you in, but the money's going to align with the pre-arbitration process. And then we're going to act like we've already signed you to your free agent contract. So oh, we're, just, oh. we're just locking in your career right now. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Why, why do the extension now? Because he does, his arbs aren't even until next season. So, you know, for, th- that well, was one from of the his, his perspective. Why would he do it? Why, why would San Diego do for it all the reasons now? I just said? For why the- not wait and see? Why not wait and see how this season where they've made all these acquisitions come in? Let's see how they gel and then do the extension. Because he's as, not yet it, Mookie Betts. And if he has that year with this roster, gotcha. Now he's four hundred million minimum. So yeah, while you can point. say that three hundred forty million is a crazy amount of money, four hundred million is a hell of a lot more. It just is, and especially when you're the twenty seventh market in baseball. So you had to jump now, and like I said, literally lock him in for his entire career in terms of the finances. Why would he do it? Is the better question. Why would he? Bet out, bet against himself having a Mookie Betts type next two seasons, and then when it's time for Arb three and that extension talk really hits, why isn't he the first five hundred million dollar player in Major League Baseball? Very possible, except for his agent saying the same thing I just said, which is that's a dumb amount of money. Take it right now, yes. and I'll get you the five hundred million more in 
commercials and marketing and sales in direct partnerships through Major League Baseball because you are now going to be the face of the league. That's you. Mike Trout didn't want it. He's not going to be it anymore. He's going to be the best player in baseball. You're going to be the most important player in baseball. Yeah, and you're right. That's it, worth it, an invaluable amount of money. Yeah, and you're right. This is what baseball needs. Yeah. They need this kind of flashy face because people are that, – that's what I saw on my Twitter timeline after it happened. Oh, this is the guy I got to watch. This is the guy you, you have to watch. Yeah. He he is great to you know, – he, he's going to be – every time he's at bat, someone's going to want to be on that – you know, at bat, he flips the at, bat. He talks trash. He's smiling yep. the whole time. He's yep. staring down pitchers. He is going to bring in the, the 11 and 12 year old kids like Griffey did when you and I were that age, Scott, that that's yep. what this, this game needs. And Trout's great. And Trout does everything right. But Harper was always going to be more popular because he had those always. looks and he had the bat yes. flip and he had those dramatic home runs and he's fighting with teammates in the dugout. And I'm, that's, I'm not condoning that stuff. But it certainly puts eyeballs on television screens. That's for darn sure. Tatis is going to be the perfect mix of all this stuff. And well, if it's, it's recognizable. The fact, that, the fact that it is in a small market is good for baseball because sure. it shows that you can have these kind of faces of baseball in the small markets and they don't necessarily have to be in New York or Los Angeles or and, and baseball can't complain because the Padres just put $400 million and four gigantic trades into that roster. So it's not like they're just doing this where it's Mike Trout and, and we'll figure it out. It's we've already figured it out. Let's lock this kid in and, and make him the captain of this ship. And we're going, baby, because we got a pitching staff. We've got two closers. We've got legitimate power hitters and a great infield. So I, I, don't, I don't know what else you'd want right now if you're a San Diego fan. Yeah, and, and to add to that, I remember when they signed the Machado deal and, you know, everyone was like, what are they doing? They're way, they're a yeah. year too early. Yeah. And, you know, they're actually, they were too early. Expediting. They were too early, but we didn't, we didn't see this coming. That's, that's right. it. That's, that's what it. I was going to say. They're, they're expediting their timeline by having made all of these acquisitions and now extension that sure. they're, they're, they're realizing what they have in front of them and they're, throwing gasoline on the fire to fuel it now because they see the window that they, they were have. building like a small market should, which is staggering their moves, right? They were yes. staggering. They, st they brought in Hosmer quietly overpaid for him. They brought in Machado, not so quietly, certainly overpaid for him. And now it's, now it's, let's get Blake Snell. Let's get you Darvish. Let's get, it's, it's go time, baby. And, and, and then they, they get Clevenger next year at back from injury. Exactly. A super sneaky, smart move. So, they, they did all their dirty work this winter. And this here, this signing here is the culmination of them saying, we're ready. We've done everything we thought we had to do over the last three seasons to get to this point. This is now Houston Astros time. Okay. The Astros had a buildup. Remember that Sports Illustrated cover yep. where, that, where yep. that reporter basically said, hey, they've got a plan. And if A plus B plus C plus D works, when it gets time to go, they're going to win it all. That's kind of what San Diego's banking on here. They did their four, three to four year plan. This, this contract now is the signal to everybody else that they think they're ready. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> the Dodgers are ready and they're better. So there may be a gigantic roadblock in this process, but I, I give them so much credit for, for the process they took to get here. But both teams are deep and it's going to be which – which team is going to be able to sustain sure. the healthy arms, healthy, uh, you know, health, health protocols, because, you know, Kershaw is getting older. 
Yep. So who knows? With David that Price arm. is an X factor. Yeah. David Price is an X factor. We heard it in, in Boston. So we could start the season and there could be a lot of issues in that Dodger pitching rotation. Yes, they got Bauer, but well, let's you know, let's don't you think what the Padres did this off season forced the Dodgers to get Bauer. I bet it wasn't yes. a realistic op- option in November. And, you know, they were just kind of sniffing around to make sure that they could get themselves in the game if they had to. But th- th- these rash of moves, I mean, Darvish and then Blake Snell and then Clevenger, well, not in that order, had to force the hand. Yeah. And, and last week when we were talking about Bauer, we said, all right, San Diego did this. Then the Dodgers said, all right, hold my beer. We're going to take Bauer. And now yeah. flip flop it back to San Diego. All right, we're going to extend this guy because we're going to have him for X amount of years now, it, you know. Do you think, having known what Tatis Jr. is and is going to be, the Chicago White Sox would have made this trade? Would they do it all what, over James again? James Shields? No. Yeah. No. Nor, nor do I know if he becomes the player he is in that Chicago White Sox system. But it's, my goodness. I mean, that's another team, by the way, who has so much young talent. And I'm not sure they did enough. I'm not sure they, they did enough to say, we're ready, here we are versus what the Padres just did with their ex-prospects. So, yeah, no, it's it's one of the best parts of this. And I know Kenny Rosenthal has been beating that uh, beating that out there, that James Shields for, for Fernando Tatis Jr. was a 35-year-old James Shields, by the way. It was like a veteran expiring contract just to get him in the door. So, yeah, good for, good for the Padres. Just to, like I said, this has been a four-year run now leading up to this moment. And I'm terrified that they did everything right and they're still going to get shut down by this ridiculous monster that is the Dodgers. Did you see that article about Tatis Jr. with the um, yeah? Go ahead. It the uh, uh, was it Baseball League Advance? Mm-hmm. You know, I found I found that really interesting. I, I, you know, for those that aren't out there, the Athletic Ken Rosenthal had an article about this big league advance, and you know, players in the minor leagues they can give. Uh, 50, they can get $50,000 from this company in exchange for 1% for every 50,000 that they, they get on their big league. Yeah, it's like a cash advance earnings. with, with interest. Yeah. yeah. So they can go anywhere from 1% up to, I think it was 10% that they mentioned in the article, you know, so th- what they're saying is that 340 after taxes, after agents, now they got to, he also has to pay to this big league advance, whatever percentage he agreed upon. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a, it's good I, based on the article? It said major league baseball frowns upon it and does not condone it because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. Then they what need to pay their thoughts? prospects more. Don't say that yeah. without a plan because Correct. The, the, the situation yeah. with minor league baseball and, and subsequently these top prospects and, you know, how, how, how little they're, they're cared for toward their path to major league baseball, which takes too long as it is. Um, to me, you know, come with a plan before you say something like that out loud. Here's what Tatis did with the money. Okay. So you can say, well, his dad was a major league baseball player. Why would he need to do this? Come on. You know what I mean? (laughs) His dad made $18 million a million years ago. Okay, you know, unless he made the perfect investments, that's just not an option for him right now. Certainly, he's better off than any of us. But here's what he did with this money. 
hired a, hired a cook, hired a personal trainer, and spent a ton of the money completely rebuilding his own practice facility in the Dominican Republic. Basically rebuilt yeah. his field, rebuilt his bullpens, rebuilt his, his batting cages so that it was a year-long Super situation. He, he, he put it into training, nutrition, workouts, and health to become this freak of a player that he is right now. It's not... Sounds like... It's a direct connection. Sounds like LeBron. Exactly. It sounds like LeBron. Exactly. Put all the money in exactly. your body. Yep. Yep. It's what all the, the uh, AAU guys are doing in basketball, Scott. They're getting paid, essentially, to invest in nutrition, in basketball 24-7, and, and getting themselves into machines, basically robots, ready for the NBA. That's what Tatis Jr. has done here. He got himself ready so he doesn't look like an overweight, you know, not, you know youth rookie not ready to actually perform in, in major league baseball that's why he's going to hit the ground running and everybody knows it and that's why the 340 million is going to be a value and by the way it is when we get to the finish line five years into this contract when he, when he should be a free agent 24 million a year on that luxury tax is going to be an absolute steal wherever he is i think he's probably still with the Padres at that point but it's going to be an absolute steal so it looks crazy right now but there's so much meat behind it that you can't just stop and, and give San Diego a heck of a lot of credit for doing it like they did. Who would have? Who knows? Why didn't Boston do this with Mookie Betts? We all knew who Mookie Betts was day one. He, he was outstanding on both sides of the ball, you, you know. And they let it linger and let it linger, and, and and more and more drama happened inside that clubhouse in that front office. And Mookie basically said, "I'm out of here. I'm. I, I don't want any part of this over the next decade of my life." Whereas Tatis now doesn't have the option. Now he's got the no trade clause, but you know. San Diego can start to shop him whenever they see fit, and he's going to eventually have to play ball with that. So I, I give the Padres a lot of credit for this process. It's a, it's a heck of an offseason, a heck of a three, four years. I'm excited to watch him, and I hope a lot of people are because baseball needs eyeballs on teams like this. Yes, agreed. So the big question is, who's next? Okay, yes, now it's time. <laughs> <laughs> so who is next? I mean, uh, I look, the easy Keith, answer is Soto. Soto Lindor. Yeah, the easy, the easy answer is Soto because now we've seen this run of kids but I, I, I defer to you. Everything I'm hearing, and you're closer to it, is that he wants to go the Mookie Betts route. He wants to wait and wait and wait until it's right up against that free agent time. Essentially, the Bryce Harper route too. You know, similar to what he saw happen with Bryce, and then just slam dunk a one a one time free agent contract. Um, yeah, because you know who his agent is. Yeah, of course, Scott Boris. Scott Boris doesn't so, do it early. He doesn't do it wrong. So, yeah. He, of course, he's going to wait, and it it sounds like it's going to be way north of the three forty that Tatis Jr. got. So, well, let's be honest here, and and I don't say this, uh, you, you know, haphazardly. Acuna, Alonzo, Lindor, Tatis, give me more names. All the kids in the league, Eloy Jimenez, all the kids, all of these top flight prospects that have either shown their stuff or haven't quite got there yet. Juan Soto is so much better than them. Juan Soto is on a yes. Mike Trout path. And yes. there's, not, there's definitely not enough people that know this. What he does at the plate is Manny Ramirez type stuff. All right. He is that good already at dictating strike zones, at screwing with pitchers, at going the opposite way, at power hitting the all three, all three areas. He, uh, and he's a great outfielder. And it seems like he's a great teammate. And he's crazy young. So I don't give, I don't, have any beef with him wanting to wait financially speaking unless 
you know, the nationals say, Hey, here's 400. Let's just do this right now. Let's just do it. Let's do it. That's not Washington style, especially with deferred payments. So I don't imagine he's next is my long answer there. Lindor has got to be next. The Mets gave up a lot. Uh, they traded away all their other shortstops. So there's really, you know, they, they kind of, they probably should have waited and maybe held Rosario as leverage a little bit, but uh, you know, they have no leverage right now against Lindor. So I'm hoping it's not 14 years. Let's put it that way. Cause Frankie's a little older and not the player that Tatis is probably going to be, even though he's well above average. My, my thinking on Lindor Scott is about eight for two twenty five, And I don't know where that's, you know, that gets you, but he's probably next with the Mets and that's probably about where it's going to be. So what's your thoughts? Yeah. Does Alonzo get signed? Conforto? I mean, it seems well, like it's all Mets who are next, honestly. Yeah. And, and, well, when to be Aaron I, when we message, and when we were messaging offline, I, I thought Pete first before Lindor, but, you know. I think there's a better chance Pete Alonzo is traded. Not this year. But you think the, so? I, I do. I do. I, I, wonder, I wonder if he is not long for, for one. Uh, he's kind of more of a bounce around guy because of his limited skill set. Uh, He's going to make his money. I'm no question about that. And I love the guy. I root for the guy day in and day out. But uh, just in the grand scheme of things, I wonder if that's not a long, long-term option for the for the Mets after everything else they can see out there. I, I mean, what's to become of Aaron Judge? Just too yeah, many, too right. many injuries. You know. Yeah, maybe. And then you got Glaber Torres there too. Sure. Um, what about Noah? You think he no. is he extendable? No, not off this uh not off this injury. You're gonna have to wait it out and, and maybe let him walk into free agency and see what he can get. Bellinger's gotta be on this in this conversation because he's done yeah. enough. Uh, you know, Rafael Devers is the only Red Sox kind of left in the game. Uh he's gotta be in this conversation. You know, then you got just a rash of shortstops. Like I said, Frankie, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Glaber Torres. Javi Baez, you know, Corey Seager. It's kind of like a, we have a quarterback carousel in the NFL. We're going to have a shortstop carousel within the next 12 to 18 months in Major League Baseball, which has already started now with Lindor. So um, it, that's the name of the game right now. And if I had to pick. Yeah, Trey, Trey Turner. Trey Turner. On that list Trey too. Turner, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to say it's going to be Bellinger because why would the Dodgers stop now? But let's just say they're going to be, the Dodgers pay Bellinger in, in a couple of months. And they just continue this thing and push push the gas it'll, pedal down. It'll probably happen this weekend just yeah. to one up the Dodgers. The Padres, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or the Padres. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I guess I'll go on a limb and say it's gonna be Cody Bellinger next. Okay. Good stuff, man. All right. My thanks right, to Scott Allen. My thanks to the Athletic. Check out the athletic.com slash spot track for forty percent off your first year subscription. And of course, OLBG.com, the online betting guide. Make yourself a better gambler. Check out their free NBA and NHL pick'em contests. Win some cash prizes for doing nothing. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>